Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, Racer Nation. 2022 was an unforgettable year for the Racer basketball. We went undefeated in conference play en route to hanging another banner, won another NCAA tournament game, brought home one of the most beloved Racer coaches to lead the Racers, and made the move to the Missouri Valley Conference, which has been a dream for years. But we're not in the business of looking back. We're looking ahead. A new year brings new opportunities, a clean slate, and optimism for the future we hold in our own hands. All true for this Racer basketball team. The only thing that, the, that really matters that the Racers are bringing with them into 2023 is a 3-1 and conference record, good enough for second in the MVC, and now some momentum into an incredibly important stretch of the season that could find the Racers in first place when we record next week. Welcome back to episode 40 of the Racer Nation podcast. It's time to go to work. Let's go. This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. Racer fans, welcome back. Episode 40 of the Racer Nation podcast. Amazing. We have made it this far um, and we have not been canceled yet. So congrats to us for 40 episodes down. Um, And thanks for sticking around with us for our little hiatus. Uh, It's been a couple weeks since we uh, put out an episode. We had the big one with Kenny Roth uh, there before Christmas. And then just how Christmas fell. Then some of the bad weather and some sickness and, and all that stuff. Didn't really allow any of our schedules to line up, and so no no worries, though. We are back at the beginning of January, and as Sawyer said in the intro, the Racers are 3-1 and one in the Missouri Valley Conference. Good enough for second place, 8-6 and six overall, so still holding strong with that winning record. But, guys, we have a lot to talk about this episode. We've got a couple Missouri Valley Conference games to recap, a couple to look forward to, a couple big ones. Uh, potentially two of the best teams in the Valley uh, to talk about this week. And uh, also just the state of the racers so far. Uh, I think it's since it's been a couple weeks, it's it's might be a good time to reflect on, on what we've seen in the last few weeks. So big episode coming up, a lot to talk about. And uh, hey, we're back talking about racer basketball. But I do want to reflect, Sawyer, I know you said in, in the intro, we're going to look forward, but I think it's going to be cool. Let's let's let us let's take a step back to 2022. Um, a huge year for racer basketball. Kind of took us the next step almost. You know, we talked about all these building blocks really since the De Niro Thomas fadeaway. Uh, that was a building block. Then the Isaiah Cannon, then campaign John Moran. It, it just built, built, built. And last year with KJ and Tevin and, and Juice and that team winning 31 games, going undefeated in conference. Uh, what a year to look back on on 2022. So I think it might be a good idea. Let's, let's uh, you know, this Sawyer, this was your idea. So kind of a semi-saw selection, but we're going to do it in the beginning of the episode. That throw us off a little bit. But um, let's talk about our favorite racer moment, favorite racer basketball moment of 2022. And we're going to talk about it here, but we want to bring everybody else into the conversation as always, tweet us, DM us, put it on Facebook, text us, send us a voicemail, whatever you want to do. Share your favorite racer basketball moment of 2022 with us as well. Could be the same as ours. Um, could be something completely different that we overlooked, which is a good possibility. But uh, Sawyer, maybe you can kick us off since uh, this was your great idea. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, 2022 was so much fun. So many great racer basketball memories that – I take from it, and this was really hard to choose um, because we had, like I said, there were so many of them, and I know that the ones that you guys are going to share are going to be ones that are going to be the top of my list too. But for me, I think just one of the most fun moments uh, of the season last year 
was when we beat Moorhead State at home. Uh, it felt like it was such an electric game. It was Janai Broom versus KJ Williams, a true big man battle. Uh, I went back and got the box score up here, and you know KJ really dominated. And that was that was during a time where we were kind of trying to figure out, you know, what kind of player is KJ going to be. Uh, and he came out and, and really uh, inserted his will in the second half of that game. And I got to sit courtside, so I was talking trash to Jake Wolf and Janai Broom the whole time. Um, uh, apologies to to Coach Maddox. Happy birthday, by the way. I think his birthday was yesterday. Um, but a big win for the Richards at home. I think there was close to 6,000 people in the st- in the crowd. More importantly, Logan and Austin were both also in the crowd um, with us. So also gave us that awesome uh, video of whenever Trey Hannibal throws down that last second dunk, Austin throws the hammer and you can see it in the background. So uh, a lot of fun moments from that game. It was, a, I think it was like an afternoon game or five o'clock game or something. We all got together after the fact and uh, it was just a really fun day, really fun night for racer basketball. Both teams undefeated to that point. We had just beaten Belmont by 22, I think, on the road. Austin was at that game as well. And uh, coming into the bank, it's like the, really the first big home game of the season. And, man, it did not disappoint. I uh, had so much fun at that game. And I think that was uh, one of my favorite memories. Because I love uh, – my favorite memories are always at the bank. Uh, it's one of my favorite places in the whole world. Uh, so getting to celebrate there was a lot of fun. Great one, Sawyer. Probably probably one that some people are going to overlook, but what a big big week that was. Big couple weeks for Racer Nation and Racer Basketball with, like you said, going into Belmont and absolutely, what do you say, curb stopping them, stomping them, Logan. That was your your thing last year at the Curb Center. So, um, Logan, you are on this episode. It's been you know a few minutes and we haven't heard your voice yet. So, you know, fans, don't fret. Logan is here. Uh, we'll go ahead and turn it over over to you for your thoughts. Yeah, so going through uh, before we started recording, I kind of got an insight into what your favorite memories were for both of you guys. And luckily, I had a few memories in mind, and uh, they were all different from what you guys thought. So uh, glad we got that disparity and, and can share a bunch of fun memories. So uh, my first one that came to mind was the curb stomping at Belmont. And I was at Big Cypress Lodge in memphis tennessee um and i was about to get on the elevator to go up to their restaurant up top and i remember just looking at the box score and could not believe it um it was it was so special to finally get that monkey off our back and finally beat belmont in nashville um and then i thought about you know sawyer and i taking a trip to tennessee state love that place and then seeing uh, Jalen Dupree run his mouth to KJ Williams. And from that point on, the game was never in question. We came back and um, KJ kind of sealed the deal for us. Love that. But I think my favorite memory, and, uh, you know, last year we did a sentimental Sawyer episode and, and not trying to go down that path, but I am a softie. And so I think my favorite memory, um, as it usually is every year, is senior night. Um, have Belmont at the bank. We win by 30 points. Um, and KJ and Tevin actually outscore Belmont. So, <clears throat> and, you know, it wasn't so much the game, but it was after the game seeing Tevin very upset and, and KJ was really emotional. Um, and that's after, you know, all season, KJ kind of played a, or wanted to play a tough guy role and, you know, no nonsense. Um, and seeing them so upset that that was their last game at home as a Murray State racer. 
uh, was pretty cool. And, you know, we've got the saying, which I don't really like the saying, but once a racer, always a racer. Um, I don't necessarily like that. I think it's more of if you come here and work hard and give it your all, then Murray State's just going to give it right back to you and your family forever. And I think that was kind of what those guys were feeling in that moment. And, and they know that Murray State loves them and um, just really appreciative of what they did for us. And uh, I thought that was a really cool moment. That was a nice one, Logan. And nice and uh, nice and heartfelt. Um, I will go the complete opposite route. There's uh, no heart uh, when I'm going to talk where I'm going to talk about where uh, where my favorite memory happened. But also had a lot as well to, to build up to it. Um, the, o- the OVC tournament, the last one, uh, mm. you know, we, we got to do the live podcast. I know that was your favorite. Logan, you, you don't admit it, but that was your favorite moment of, of all of 2022 for sure. That was also the last one. So <laughs> it's, you know, end on a high note, I guess. Right. <laughs> but um, just just winning. Uh, obviously, Friday night, there was so much that built up with SEMO. They'd almost beat us at home or at, at Cape Girardeau. And then come out and beating them by twenty something or whatever it was, and then the build up with Moorhead and that being such a good game, um, and then the celebration at, at Bud's Country Bar and Grill afterwards. That was a great, great time, great bar. Yeah, great bar in Evansville for sure. Um, but I will go two weeks after that to the the place that I says has no heart with Las Vegas, where we were there on on the bachelor party or my bachelor party. Um, for the opening weekend, the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament, racers are playing San Francisco. Tough matchup, probably the worst, uh, the the best ten seed we could have gotten. Um, and you know, Sawyer and I and a few others are there in the sports book. We're we're riding hard with the racers, and as you guys know, it's just a back and forth game the the entire time. And uh, we're we've got eventually by the end of it the entire sports book wherever their money was at was cheering for the racers and i I think i had two or three heart attacks in that game and it it was one of those deals by the end of it you're just so worn out and at that we're in vegas so a couple hours behind so uh, by by the time it's over it's still like 10 o'clock right and that's you know the night's just beginning in las vegas for everybody but um, I felt like I needed to pass out after that, but I think we kept it going a little bit longer anyways because we had to celebrate. But uh, just a unforgettable moment for me. Um, anytime Murray State's able to win and win in the NCAA tournament, it's a special moment. But uh, that is definitely one that I'm always going to remember right where I was at, watching it with the rest of the sports book, cheering on the racers because uh, we were, you know, we were running around, had them, had them all going, and then. Probably the lowest moment of 2022 was uh, two days later, but we're not here to talk about that on this podcast. But sorry, I know you probably have some some thoughts on that one as well because that was a that was a great time for all all of us involved um, as racer fans and uh, for our wallets on that trip. Yeah, and I still one of my favorite pieces of racial memorabilia moving forward is going to be my winning ticket from that night because it just it shows that you know we won the game, we were in the game, we won the game. 
you know, we cashed the ticket. I asked the lady, I was like, can I, can I get that ticket back? And she was like, I'm not supposed to let you, but yeah, you can have it back. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, and then I think just like around the sports book in general, just like on the, walking on the strip, you know, we were all wearing our racer gear the whole day. And so there were some people that were coming up to us. I know talk to me. I don't know if we were playing games with them that day or what, but we had got it brought up in conversation and, um, they were like, you know, we're, we're betting on people we're betting on teams where we see people wearing their gear. So we're going to bid up for the racers tonight. And I was like, I was so glad that, you know, we had people spread out all over the strip that uh, benefited on our behalf because they were all racer fans that night. So um, maybe Nico needs to send us out West for every uh, March Madness. Maybe that should be his thing uh, moving forward. Cause we're from a developmental standpoint, you know, we're really doing some things out there as far as growing the fan base. So especially if we can keep winning in the tournament. Um, so that was so much fun, Austin. I'm so glad that we, we did that for you because that's also going to be a memory that, that I'll take for forever and, uh, will be a pretty fun tradition as well. Yeah. Unfortunately I might be out this year. I have scheduled, uh, my, my wisdom teeth to be removed on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. So, um, I'm out this year, but give me the rain check. I'll be ready to go for 2024 Las Vegas. Here we come. Um, that was a, was a really good time. So. Also thought a great time to get your wisdom teeth removed. What better than to be just sitting on the couch eating soft foods, watching, you know, 15 NCAA tournament games or whatever it is. So anyways, great wrap to 2022. What a year for the racers. What a year for the Racer Nation podcast. Uh, really worked out well for us. A lot of growth as well. Um, and all thanks to, the, to you folks that are listening. So can't do it without you guys. So let's talk about this last week and maybe the last couple of weeks in, in racer basketball. Um, up and down, right? We've seen probably the best we played yet, up there at least, with the Evansville performance. Then we saw ourselves struggle against SIU, saw ourselves really struggle against Middle Tennessee, saw ourselves really struggle against Middle Tennessee if we want to go back that far. I don't know if we want to rehash all that pre-Christmas, but um, – let, let's let's start with that SIU game at least is is you know I was able to be there Logan you as well saw you were a little under the weather um, thankfully the Lawson family is is back on the men and everybody's feeling good we're able to to get on tonight but uh, so you got to see see it from afar a little bit but I, I got to see SIU earlier in the year they played at St Louis and and what I saw in that game is what made me nervous for them coming to the bank and it's exactly what happened. And exactly what we're going to see a lot of more times in the Missouri Valley, a hard-nosed defensive team that wants to slow you down and keep you under 60 points as possible, if possible. And guess what? That's exactly what they did as the racers take the loss. Uh, first loss in 20 games at the CFSB Center, uh, 63-57. to uh, Didn't really see us. We weren't able to get into our offense. And to me, guys, I thought SIU had the game plan. They came in, executed, and we were just never able to get that shot or that possession or that defensive stop to push through, Logan. Yeah, you mentioned that you had been sick and Sawyer was sick. And, you know, I think in December, the whole month I was sick because I watched a lot of racer basketball. And, you know, you touched on the middle game earlier. I think that was probably the worst game I've ever seen a Murray State team play. And then we come into playing SIU. Um, and, you know, if you look at the stat sheet, it's really not that bad from a team standpoint. We out-rebounded them, um, shot way better from the free throw line. And 
we weren't too much farther behind them. We shot 5% less than they did from the field. But where you see the difference is sharing the basketball and taking care of the basketball. They had 16 assists and four turnovers. We had six assists and 10 turnovers. And when you do that, especially when, as a team, you don't even have a one-to-one um, assist-to-turnover ratio, you're not going to win hardly any basketball games. And down the stretch, uh, Damask and uh, Rupert and uh, who was their guard? Lance Jones. Lance Jones, yeah. Um, just they made plays and, and we didn't is really what it came down to. What I mentioned to to everybody sitting around me, it was we were in the – well, we, we get down 7 nothing, And, I, you know, like you said, Logan, as, as bad as it went at middle, as much as we looked like we were ready for Christmas, and I didn't think we would ever be the team that would – you know, ship it in before Christmas break. That's always been a thing. Like, oh, what team's going to be ready to go and what team's going to be ready for, you know, to go home for Christmas? And I thought we were that team that night. We were not, not ready to go. No, no, far from it. And I think that's what was frustrating on Thursday is we weren't ready to go Thursday either uh, or whatever day. I don't even – my days are all mixed up. Thursday? Oh, yeah, perfect. I, I told you guys beforehand – uh, my work gives us off the week between Christmas and New Year's, and I have not worked since before Christmas, so I don't even know what day of the week it is today. But anyways, we were not ready to go then either as we got down seven or eight nothing early, uh, eight to nothing early. And it's like, how can you have the performance at Middle Tennessee reset, two-day practices, everything, and then come out and do the exact same thing again that we've been doing over and over and over again. So, you know, that was frustrating. We got it back, keep it really close, actually take the lead multiple times. But if you look, you know, Logan, one thing you said stood out is is um, the assist-to-turnover ratio, which was huge. Um, it's not actually showing it on this box score, but I saw it um, during the game. Our time led was like two minutes. And that's because, and we can go back and watch the game, um, every time we took the lead, we'd get up one or two points. They answered the very next possession every single time. I don't believe there was one time we had the lead for more than a possession. And we took the lead five or six times during the game. But they scored the very next possession every single time. We could never get that stop. And it was usually a pretty easy basket as well. Um, they would run that slip screen over the top, or they would run that set where they would ISO Damask on the one side, and then every time we just kept forcing the help, and it would leave the guy wide open. Damask would make a great read, pass across the top. And, I mean, they're, they've got really good players. Uh, nobody that stood out offensively, um, that was great, uh, but they were good enough on, on Thursday. So I think that was what was frustrating, Sawyer, for me is – we could have very easily won that basketball game. You know, we lose by six. We're in it late. And like Logan, you said, they just uh, made the plays down the stretch, uh, which was which is a little frustrating, especially you got to win your home ones. Yeah, no doubt. And it just it, it looked to me when I went back and, and checked the film, it's just these slow starts are just such killers for this team in particular. I went back over the past week and um, looked at our record um, in games where we've or our game since we started conference play against Illinois State, um, who had the lead and how by how many the first five minutes of every game. 
and we've had the lead in I think two out of the six games, and it's just showing how bad of a start that we've got. And and really, just in five minutes, that's not a lot of time. But we're getting outscored by 13 points in that time frame. So, um, and in two of those games, we had leads. Um, so it, it's not it's not great. Um, Logan, like you said, man, going back to that middle game, that was that made me sick then too. Um, and it just was just the fact that you know I don't remember talking to you during the Illinois State game a little bit about the fact that we have such a hard time with pressure. I don't know why every team doesn't put token pressure on us because by the time we get it past half court, we're only going to have 20 seconds to play with. Um, and whenever Middle did that, you know, it made it really, really tough for us. And it was actually pretty comical. I was listening to on the radio that Kenny and Neil were kind of celebrating each time we'd cross half court, um, which was funny, but it's really not. Uh, I never thought that racer teams would be like that. Um, but then this is the, 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 the SIU game was pretty much a complete, contrast of that because they want to play everything in the half court uh, typically for me the times and the teams that you see that try to slow the game down are typically less talented or they have maybe just one guy and he may not be very athletic so they want to slow you down um debatable on the case on that they had some pretty solid players um and that's just kind of their style that's really not the way basketball is going um but that's just kind of how the missouri valley is to this point but you would think that the racers should be better in this type of situation. I think you saw that. Um, but I think that the ultimate picture for me was that we did have some growth uh, in this game. And, man, the, the the shot making from Rob Perry was was off the chart as far as the degree of difficulty. Some of those shots he made down the stretch, he had no business making. But without him, uh, the game is a totally, totally different story. Uh, SIU probably is, whether we like to admit it or not, probably one of the top two or three teams in the Valley. Um, you definitely don't want to lose any of these games at home. Like you said, Austin, um, we knew we were coming into coming into this season, how tough it was going to be for us. I know this was at home. We should have won the game, but the fact that we were there, I think it, it does, it does hold a little bit of weight. <laughs> the part that's the toughest for me though, is I'm watching these games and these games were getting beat. The teams with jaw, the teams with Stark, the teams with cannon, the teams with, with campaign, we beat, we're beating all these teams by 15 or 20 points. And I feel the same about this SIU team this past week. And it's just the fact that, you know, we just don't have that that chemistry, that personnel just yet to be able to put our style of play into into effect. Um, but it's just as frustrating knowing that if you compare these teams apple to apples in the past, you know, we've been way better. And like I mentioned, this is one of the top three teams in the Valley. I definitely agree with that on, on the sentiment of them being one of the top teams. And like you said, it's frustrating to say that because it is – SIU and they are a rival, but even last year's team, uh, I mean, they they probably win that game by 10, 15 points going away because they wouldn't have an answer for KJ. They wouldn't have an answer for Tevin. They, they had too many weapons. And shoot, Trey Hannibal, SEC Player of the Week this week, uh, pretty crazy, but uh, just shows you what could have been, I guess. Uh, but not to dwell, not to dwell too much on that. I think what's what frustrates me is uh, you hold a team to 63 points. And eight times out of ten, you're probably going to win that game, right? Especially playing Murray State basketball, racer basketball, Logan, like you said. And we were just never able to do that in longer spurts. But we went on a couple runs right there where uh, I think our maybe the largest. Uh, I think we went on an eight nine zero run, defense into offense, defense into offense. We were able to get some of that momentum and uh, just wasn't able to sustain it, uh, sustain it long enough. They we always talk about getting punched in the mouth, and SIU is able to get right back up off the floor mat and and, and sustain the next go around. But 
I, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the right place to talk about it because we're probably going to talk a lot of positives <laughs> for the Evansville game. But I think what really frustrates me uh, with the team and just from what I've seen, because this was the second time I've seen him play uh, this year in person. And you get to see stuff in person that you don't see on TV all the time. And uh, granted, I'm 0-2 watching the Racers this year, so so not a great start for your boy. But and I, I gave him some leeway with the St. Louis game that I was at. But I think just what frustrated me was, and I know we don't go deep, but like just going to the locker room, hustling to take the ball out of the ba- out of bounds, uh, pushing the ball up the floor. We're walking every single play. We're we're walk when when they're ready to inbounds the basketball. We're walking out of a timeout. When we get a media timeout, we're walking to the bench. We're walking to the locker room at halftime. All that stuff. And and to me, like, okay, I'm a guy sitting on it, staring at a computer on a podcast. So what do I know, right? But when you show that effort, time and time again, it's a tried and true deal. It translates to on-court play. Uh, so that that that's one thing that I think we could see turn around and maybe muster good fortune going forward. Um, like I said, I know we've got got our two guards play more minutes than anybody else in the Missouri Valley Conference. Jacoby and Rob play more. Rob Perry played more minutes than anybody on average. So I understand that, but Logan. Yeah, you've you've seen them a lot in person this year. It would be nice to uh, I don't know. For me, I'd like to see a little little pep in their step every once in a while, especially when they're down. Oh, absolutely. There's just not a sense of urgency, and it's probably a good thing that we didn't record the past couple of weeks because I was ready to go in on them, to be quite honest. And uh, I personally, my stance was. I would go in the starting lineup, even though Rob Perry's been playing good. Brian Moore, I don't think he's played all that great recently. Um, and he was out sick, kind of getting his feet back under him in the Evansville game. Start with Brian Moore, our guy Braxton Stacker, Justin Morgan, our guy, Jackson Edwards, and Sam Murray. And, you know, we've had a horrible December. It, it was just bad. and. There has to be something that switches it up. And my whole thing was, okay, what if we start four freshmen and Brian Moore and at the first media timeout, we're down two to 12. Well, we start slow every game anyways. So, I mean, who cares really? Um, just something to get these guys motivated. And, and, you know, you mentioned that Jacoby and Rob plays more minutes than anybody in the Missouri Valley. Well, uh, maybe showing the top dogs on the team that, you know, your minutes aren't safe is the kick in the pants they need. But uh, I'm with you guys. Uh, Austin, to go back to your sense of urgency thing, um, I've thought about our defense, and I wanted to ask you guys on the pod, do you think that the fact that we switch, you know, uh, Kenny White and DJ and Jamari will switch, and then the guards will all switch. Um, it seems like we just stand around a lot, and that's a positive when you're playing so many minutes and you need to save your legs, but you're also just standing in a spot, and 
only moving within a few feet radius and guarding whoever's in that range. And when we get, you know, have bad communication and, and our rotations are sloppy, which happens multiple times a game, um, you know, we get caught giving them open shots. But I was wondering if you thought, you know, what if we had to fight through screens? What if we had to, you know, fight over screens or jump out and contest shots instead of getting lost in communication? Um, if that would kind of jumpstart them and make them play a little harder than, you know, just playing essentially a matchup zone. I, I don't know, Logan. I, I think it is hard to wrap our head around because for so many years under Matt McMahon, we we played the same exact defense, exactly what you're talking about, hedging screens, fighting through them. Yeah, all, and all I don't. Stuff. I yeah. was the first one to say I hate yeah. hedging ball screens at midcourt. I thought that was the dumbest thing in the world. We never played against Jimmer Fredette or against <laughs> Isaiah Cannon, so there's no need to do that. Just go under the screen. But you know, uh, we hedge a little bit, but we switch more than anything. And yeah, I, I just wonder if it makes us complacent to just stand in a spot. Potentially, because I, I do see it translate into offense when we get on our offense when we get so stagnant. The only thing I will say, if you take out the Middle Tennessee State game, nobody has scored over 70 points on us since November the 18th. Valpo scored right at 70, and that was an overtime game. But we have held everybody else under 70 points since before Thanksgiving. So I maybe it is the defense that you're talking about transfers into our offensive woes, but as a fan base and a podcast, I'm not sure defense is our problem other than not forcing turnovers on defense because that's racer basketball turnovers into offense. Yeah, I would disagree in one part um, just because it seems like everybody else's best player or their second best player has a field day against us. And it's usually these big guys, the big whiteys, as we like to call them, you know, Damask had a good game, you know, Jake Stevens, the crikey kid, Elijah Hutchins, Everett, we can go down the line, but it's all these big men are just tearing us up down low. And guess who we're going to face Wednesday night against Bradley. Another one of your typical Missouri Valley bigs that can, you know, have a double double. Uh, That's basically what he's averaging. So, um, same thing we're going to face just about every other night. So I don't know. It seems like it's our kryptonite thus far. Uh, I do think we've defended well in some instances, but it, if we're letting everybody's best player just feast on us, then we're going to you know, continue to lose home games, to be quite honest. One of my favorite players, one of our favorite moments from Coach Prohm's last stint as head coach for the Racers is Jonathan Farrell hedging a ball screen out to half court, tipping the ball away, getting on his knees, picking it up, and going and dunking it. And that's the difference. That's the passion. That's the intensity. That's the energy that we have not seen at all this year summarized into one play. And I think that you're onto something on the defensive side there, Logan. And and because of that, because it does require you to get out of your comfort zone, you've got to be talking constantly if you're doing if you're if you're if you're hedging on ball screens. You've got to you've got to play in a more active uh, proactive type of style rather than just kind of sagging and switching. And and you need to be, if you're going to be good defensively, you need to be communicating on that end as well. Um, 
and often I get to your point, you know, we're holding everybody down. People are shooting less, like in the 20s percentile from three against us. That's good. Are we playing anybody great? No, um, I guess is my point to that. But, you know, I, I think you're on to something. And it's not I, – I, I'm with Logan on this one, Austin. I think that on the defensive side, it's got to be the springboard that can start our offense. Yeah, well, there's a lot of problems on offense. We know that. We can't. It's tough for us to score. We're going to get into the some of the bright spots, hopefully, in a few minutes uh, that we saw in the Evansville game. But it's got to start on the defensive end. How many times do we see us getting stops on, Saturday, on Sunday and then turning those into points – uh, one way or the other, we saw it a lot. But without getting too far ahead of ourselves, it's just that energy, that passion, that urgency, that uh, all those words that we we talk about that have seemed like there's been a, a little bit of a drop off in that this season. I know it's th- 12 new guys. We've been talking about that for a long time. Um, a lot of teams are. It, it seems like I saw a national national article about it the other day. You know, the Kentuckys of the world. Not to throw them under the bus, but Villanova's. A lot of those teams are having some. You know, chemistry issues is what this article was alluding to. Is that the case here? Who knows? I doubt it. You know, we have such a strong fan base, a positive fan base. Um, but there's so many things that are that are just a little bit off that I think that can be can be solved whenever you ramp things up. And I'm all for trying new things to try to get that started. I think we saw some of that on Sunday um, with some of the lineups and some of the guys really thrived. Um, so. I agree with with you guys on that too. Would love to hear from the fans. You know, the fan the fans on Twitter have been giving us a lot of great ideas. A lot of the the the, the suggestions have echoed what we've talked about in this past segment. But um, I think that Coach Prom is still figuring out how to push these buttons. Um, hopefully, now that the new year has hit, hopefully he's kind of figured that out with his coaching staff. Um, and hopefully, you know, we're heading in the right direction moving forward. But the stuff we saw over the past couple of weeks was definitely. Uh, not acceptable in terms of, of racer basketball historically. Um, so I hope that those things get fixed in a hurry. And that's a great point, Sawyer. New year, new racers? Maybe so. Let's talk about 2023 a little bit. And how about the racers coming out hot in 2023 against the Evansville Purple Aces? And it's at the Ford Center. Maybe that had a little bit to do with it. Um but, I mean, quite honestly, Rod Thomas was like the only guy on the team and DJ that has played at the Ford Center. We kind of talked about, uh, did I guess, Jacoby as well, but did Kenny White, did they ever make it to the OVC tournament? Uh, who knows? It may have been his first time as well. But um, everything we just talked about completely flipped on its head on Sunday as the racers come out blazing from the field, blazing on defense. They were just they looked like a Murray state basketball team, honestly. And, uh, we were getting turnovers. We were converting in the open court. Uh, I mean, with 20 fast break points, 15 points off turnovers. And, you know, sorry to your point just a second ago, we win by 17, 15 of those were points off turnovers. Right. And so, um, a lot of bright spots for the racers on Sunday. And, uh, where does it start? None other than the man himself, our guy, uh, Mr. Justin Morgan, with an outstanding, outstanding what we've been expecting from Justin this whole time. It was finally great to see him shake free, get some confidence, and knock down some shots. Yeah, Austin, I'm going to say not so fast on uh, the new year, new racers. I'm withholding judgment after one game, but I will go ahead and brag on our guy, Justin Morgan. Um, one thing that I've been uh, – talking to some fans about is, you know, Justin Morgan's supposed to be this great shooter. 
Um, but he seems to be a little nervous when he gets in games. Well, I don't necessarily think it's his fault because we don't run an offense and we don't put him in a spot to where we drive and kick the ball out to him for an open shot or get him in rhythm. Um, really it's, Oh, if it binds him and he's got half a second to hoist a shot up, he does it. Um, and so, you know, kind of getting him in spots where he can shoot was really something that helped boost his confidence. I'm sure of it. Um, and you know, we got to have these guys going into the Missouri Valley Valley conference. We can't continue to play six or seven guys. We got to have some, a seventh or eighth that we can count on. We're going to get in foul trouble. We're going to have, you know, God willing, hopefully we don't have injuries, but it happens all the time. I mean, it's college basketball. Um, and having these guys that can have experience in the first semester or going into the second semester that can knock down shots like Justin can um, and, you know, cut with purpose and, and finish over people, it, it's huge. So um, love what I saw of him yesterday and really just the whole team. But, you know, like I said, I'm reserving judgment. Um not to poke too much fun at Evansville, but they they are a bottom feeder team in the conference. First five, ten minutes of the game, they couldn't buy anything. A 90% free throw shooter goes to the line, and I, I thought the ball was in the net, and it somehow popped out. Um, so, honestly, you know, we, we looked good. We were in control the whole game, never let them get back into it. But if, you know, if we have a slow start, like we always do, or a few of those shots at the beginning go in, it's a three, four possession game um, at the end. So, and it's a lot tighter than it looks. So um, I'm proud of the way we played, proud that we came out and punched them in the mouth and never get them, never allowed them to fight back in it. But um, I'd like to see us do this for, you know, two, three games in a row. Yeah. I think it's going to be tough Logan, because it was, this was the abnormal uh, Missouri Valley game. One thing our, our our guy Kenny Roth always talks about is how many of the games are within eight points uh, there at the end. And and that's held true for us so far through the first three conference games. And if you go look at all the scores around the Missouri Valley, I think I should have done this before. I'm, I'm not that prepared. I would say 90% of the games are within eight points. Uh, if I were just to guess, they've all been super close, but uh, this was a different type of game. And like you said, Evansville is not very good. Um, our three wins, we are three and one, but guess who our three wins are against? The bottom three teams in the league, right? And you've got to win those games. That's the thing. Right. You've got to win them. So I'm not, not complaining about that at all. But uh, I, I don't know, uh, Nico or Kevin Saul, whoever paid off the Missouri Valley Conference to schedule us uh, this uh, first three games in the in the conference, they – they really helped us out. Yeah, for me, I went back and looked. It was just good for us to see the put the ball in the basket. I know that kind of sounds uh, cliche at, at times, but man, it was just good to see us hit shots. You know, eight threes, guys. It's the first time we've hit eight threes in a in a in a regulation contested ball game since Texas A and M. Um, that was on the seventeenth of November. Um, so it's that that should be the norm. You know, we shot it at 35 percent. So nothing crazy, uh, but that should be what we should see every night. And if, if the racers are hitting eight threes a game, seven, just seven threes a game, I think that, you know, we're playing a much different style of basketball. But for me, I know I texted you guys this um, over the weekend. The piece that I thought um, 
that was was great to see from me was Jamari Smith getting back into the scoring column. I think that when, when Jamari is playing well, um, only three rebounds, but the 14 points were huge. If he's hitting those mid-range jumpers, if he's finishing around the basket, if he's drawing fouls and getting to the line, it opens up so much for the racer offense. And it just seems like in the past month, he hasn't really even looked for his shot. Um, if I, I pulled up his game log, I'm sure it would just show, you know, four or five shots a game. Um, I would love for him to be more assertive. We know that's not really DJ's game. Um, he's so much better getting offensive rebounds, clashing the, crashing the glass. And when he's crashing the glass, putting up shots at that point. Um, but for Jamari, you know, we need him to be a, a guy who can put the ball in the basket. And it was good to see him get back on track because when we've got a guy like that that can shoot it, look what it does for guys like Justin Morgan. Really opens them up. And we see there's no coincidence that whenever Jamari gets back on track, we start hitting more threes. Um, so that that's a key for me. And, and it's been good to see also over the past couple of games, you know, Kenny White trying to take the ball to the basket a little bit more. If he's going to be on the court, he needs to be scoring, needs to be productive. And it's got to be, you know, cutting downhill and finishing. And, you know, even hit a, he even hit a couple of threes as well. So um, open him back up is great. Hopefully this is just a huge confidence builder for this team moving forward. We needed this in a major way. I, I would have to think that maybe Commissioner Jackson, you know, he and, he and Dr. J are, are the two Jackson boys, maybe struck a deal to get us this uh, great early season um, slate in the conference. Um, that's big help. And then also, you know, seeing us, when you look at the box score, the one thing that jumps out the most is the three to one for a team assist to turnover ratio. You're not going to see that anywhere. Um, and, and only turning the ball over five times in a, against a team who, you know, you're playing down to the competition. Sometimes it can, it can kind of go sideways in the turnover department. Shoot, we're turning over the ball more in the games against the Division Two and Three teams than we did against Evansville. So we're still not turning the ball over. That's got to be a great point for um, for the for the coaching staff when they're reviewing this tape. And the more shots this team can get up, the better. Um, so the less times we're turning it over, um, the better. Yeah, Sawyer, and to go back to Jamari for just a second, um, he's kind of fallen in love with the three. He he's capable of making threes, but he doesn't at a high clip. On the contrary, he's very good down on the low block, and we've talked about it since this summer. He's very patient and um, and really able to get his shot off when he's down low. So think about it. If you've got, on the same side of the, the court, if you've got Jamari posted up down low and you have Justin on the wing or in the corner, that defender that's on the perimeter can't go down to help. It's a, it's a one-on-one battle, and... Jamari's so patient that I trust him to get the job done there, even over some of these bigger defenders. Um, and if if he does draw a double, we will happily take a Justin Morgan wide open three. Um, so, yeah, i just really like to see him not give up the three-pointers because he's got potential to make them, but you know maybe work on those more outside of practice and, and in the offseason um, and, you know, his bread and butter's down low and in the mid-range, so live there just for now. I think that's a great point because we've got to have that inside presence because, like you said, he's the only one that's going to give it. Uh, because DJ, like you said, he's he's not going to – he's not a back-to-the-basket scorer. He hasn't shown that at least. Uh, he's added his offensive game a little bit um, this year, which, is, which has been great. We've seen him be able to finish around the basket a little better, but 
he's typically going downhill in those scenarios. Uh, very rarely is he going to catch it um, like a a big guy from Chattanooga, Jake Stevens or a, a Hutchins Everett. He's not going to catch it 12 feet and make a move and go. Jamari can. The big thing that I saw the difference in Jamari from the last month or so to the Evansville game is he went straight up with the ball. Uh, that was what was frustrating me so much in some of these other games is, is he would get to the spots he wanted to get to, but he faded away every single time. Well, if you go back and watch the Evansville game, I think he actually started with something going towards the basket. But then from there on, his scoring opportunities, he was going straight up and down or going towards the basket and not fading away. Which then you saw his field, free th- or his field goal percentage take out those two three-pointers over 50% from the field um, when he's doing that. So saw your great point, a great a great. Uh, sign for the racers going forward if you can if he can start to put that together more think about the start of the season when we looked really good at at myrtle beach who was our leading scorer jamari smith averaging over 19 points a game in those in, in that week at myrtle they keep saying we want the we want the myrtle beach racers back we want them back and maybe i had a bad take a couple episodes ago saying that kenny white was the x factor for this team Maybe it's actually Jamari Smith. Who knows? I still think Kenny White provides us a lot um, defensively and offensively, but we're not going to win a lot of ball games going forward with Jamari scoring four and five points. We're going to need to see him um, in the double digits range. Uh, Logan, I know you love seeing the racer shooting 85% from the free throw line. That was really nice, um, but we got to see the the bench expand a little bit. And one thing I also, also I wanted to point out, uh, we were able to out-rebound Evansville, okay? Um, but our top two leading rebounders, Rob Perry and Jacoby Wood. I always say we've got to rebound from the guard spot. And you see that when Quincy or Justin Morgan comes in. But finally, we get guys like Rob and Jacoby rebounding the basketball. Jacoby hasn't been great from a scoring aspect recently, but he's really filled up the stat sheet in other ways which has been nice. Uh, but all in all, I don't know if you guys have anything else to, to say about the Evansville game. Just a really, really positive way to start out 2023. And so as now as we transition from probably the worst team in the league, no rest for the weary, we get probably one of the best teams in the league coming to the bank Wednesday night. January 4th, the Bradley Braves, for the, I think maybe the first time ever, Coming to the CFSB Center. That's a 7 p.m. tip on ESPN+. Honestly, guys, they are almost a carbon copy of SIU. Hard-nosed defensively. They're not going to score a ton of points on you. But, Logan, like you said, led from the big guy down low who averages nearly a double-double. Actually, from the Netherlands, uh, Mr. Rink Mast, uh, 6'9", Junior, like I said, out of I can't even pronounce his hometown, um, out of the Netherlands. But he's he hasn't played all their games. I think he was hurt there for a little bit, but averaging thirteen and nine. Uh, so yeah. all their offense is going to go through him. Yeah, his name's Rank, but he definitely doesn't stink. He's one of the better big guys in the Missouri Valley. Just your prototypical uh, six foot nine, six foot ten, um, stocky guy that 
you know, gets the job done. I think it's 14 points and 10 rebounds a game is what he's averaging. Um, and it, it starts there. Like I said earlier, we really struggled with the number ones from each team thus far, especially especially the big guys. Um, I don't know what changes we're looking at making. If we are, personally, I think we've been sticking DJ on uh, their number ones, and I just I don't think it's been effective at all. Uh, I would rather see us go with Kenny White. He seems like a much better shot blocker, and he can alter shots. Um We've seen it happen multiple times whenever DJ gets in foul trouble. Uh, and I don't know if that's a, a play for keeping Kenny out of foul trouble. Um, so we have him on the offensive end. But if, you know, you give me a choice, I'd rather have one of our other guys step up on offense and, and sacrifice Kenny on defense if it means that their big guy's not going to have 25 points and 12 rebounds. Yeah, for, for, for a roster construction standpoint, they are a complete dichotomy of the racers. Murray State starts one guy from the team last year, four transfers, complete opposite for Bradley. They've got four veteran guys. They start with one guard transfer, who's actually their second-leading scorer, who's been a really, really solid player for them. Uh, that's in Duke Dean. He's a transfer from Troy, um, and he's been really filling it up, kind of the, star, star the st- straw that stirs the drink for, for the Braves, but... But I, I like what you said there, Logan. Um, this is going to be a team that is going to be very physical. Also, like you said, a lot like SIU, um, but not a team that cannot be beat. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and we've seen that so far as they are 10-5 and five on the year, 3-1 uh, you know, and one in the Missouri Valley. They've got a good win at Missouri State. Um, they went 1-1 one one last week as they took the loss at Belmont, so – I, I don't think it's a bad idea if we try to give them a loss here at the CFSB Center as well. Um, really, SIU Edwardsville had them beat um, at SIU Edwardsville, which they're pretty good this year. But uh, definitely a team that, you know, we're not – if we go out and do the same things we did last week against SIU, they'll come in here and, and hand us our second straight loss at the bank. But if we can break that mold – get more ball reversals, efficient on offense, heat and match their energy, match their toughness, because they're going to try to be the toughest team Wednesday night. But the racers can match that. And Sawyer, if they're able to do that, like you said, it's not like they can't be beat. Yeah, Austin, they really struggle on the road this year as well. I mean, you saw what they did against SIU, could barely score 50 points. Um, and then the other, the other matchups where they got beat by Belmont um, on the road, and they were up at that in that game at the half, like you mentioned, um, and only scored 22 points in the second half. So uh, away from home, they've really not been great. Um, and this should be a, an opportunity for the racers that, um, you know, we've got uh, – we just had our home streak, home win streak ended. It's time to start that back up again. And we should have a, a, hopefully a rowdy crowd um, this Wednesday night. I'm excited to be there. I hated that I couldn't be there uh, for the SIU game. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I think that maybe, hopefully, like I said, when we talked about Evansville – the confidence that we build over from that game can hopefully lead to a very fast start for the racers. If that's the case, we know this uh, Bradley team really struggles to score, uh, especially away from home. If that can be the case, the racers might find themselves in a great spot down the stretch. And I think that's going to be the key to the game for me is that uh, it's probably been the key for everybody for the past couple of weeks. We're just starting fast because of, like we mentioned, you know, away from home, they're, they're, they're a different animal and they've been really struggling to score the basketball. So um, if we can come out, establish a pace early, 
play with some flow, get some guys hitting some shots early that have been struggling for the past month. Uh, I think that that's going to be a recipe for the racers to have some real success. And, and if that happens, uh, I can't wait till we talk about the next one. All right. That, that's going to be a big game. Bradley coming into the bank for the first time in a long time, both teams three and one in the Missouri Valley. So really a great opportunity to get our first good win. You know, Bradley was picked second preseason, which, kind of seen how that preseason's polls shaked out or shook out so far. Um, a lot of time left, obviously, still in the season, uh, in the Missouri Valley season. But, you know, like you said, sorry, they've got some experience coming back, which is, I think, really where the preseason poll lined itself out. But um, good opportunity, or great opportunity for the racers to get their first real signature win in the Missouri Valley. Talking about signature wins, after the racers get the dub on Wednesday night, going to Iowa for the first time, Des Moines, Iowa, at Drake. That's a 5 p.m. tip on Saturday for an ESPNU game, which is uh, big for the racers, obviously. Anytime you get to play on, on national t- television, playing the preseason favorites in the Missouri Valley, the Drake Bulldogs. They were preseason favorites for good reason. Uh, I think, like, their whole team returned pretty much. They got a couple um, transfer grad transfers in, but um, I've got to see Drake. They're pretty good, uh, but they are two and two in the Missouri Valley Conference this year so far. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that um, as they they took a tough loss to Indiana State to uh, to start the year at Indiana State, which has been the surprise of the year. The only four and zero team in the Valley, and then they just lost actually on. Uh, Sunday night after you know the racers played got to watch them play at Missouri State took a really really tough loss there as they uh, a couple clock malfunctions almost reminded me of a couple OVC championship games back in the day at the at the municipal can't even say it because it is a dump but a couple clock malfunctions might have cost them the game a couple referee malfunctions as well but Anyways, not to get too deep into there. They only scored 49 points that game, uh, which is tough. But they've got a couple really, really good players uh, that that's going to be tough defense for the racers. But uh, nothing the racers aren't up for the task for. Yeah, Austin, the Bulldogs are, are really, really good. They're still probably my pick to win the Missouri Valley. Um, and they're, they're led by some, some really solid players. Obviously, uh, the preseason player of the year, uh, freshman of the year last year in the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, Tucker DeVries. Uh, his dad is the head coach for for Drake, um, big-time recruit for them. I know a lot of schools went after him. I think he was a, a high four-star guy, and then there's a reason why. There's NBA chatter around him because he can really score the ball, does a lot of things really well, uh, rebounds the ball well, and plays with a great pace. Um, and then some, some other guys that are that kind of make – uh, the Bulldogs go is guard Roman Penn. He's actually a guy the racers have played. If you think back to the Estero Classic, uh, the year after Ja graduated with that team with, uh, you know, Tevin Brown, his sophomore year, KJ Williams, Anthony Smith, uh, JV on Eves, uh, Chico Carter. That was kind of our lineup back in the day. Um, he actually started in that game against the racers um, that they beat us by 10 um, down there when we were kind of struggling. So Penn is, is a guy who, who's a veteran. Like I said, he started, what was that? Four years ago, um, or sorry, three years ago um, against us. So he, he's a guy who's very experienced, um, knows how to play the game, and he was, I think, he was a top um, all MVC pick, second or third team um, coming into this season. So they're very, very good. They're very balanced, but that's not to say the Rushers going to have a chance to knock them off on Saturday. <laughs> 
Yeah, Sawyer Roman Penn's a guy who has been, uh, I think, a Missouri Valley Player of the Week already. Um, he's uh, they they just got a lot of a lot of guys who could hurt you in multiple different ways. Another guy that Logan's gonna love, uh, Garrett Sturtz. He's he's their point guard that kind of makes them go. He's a graduate transfer um, as well. Uh, but like you said, Tucker DeVries. He's a like I said, I got to see him play St. Louis. I've I've watched him a few times. He, he can shoot the ball whenever he wants. If if he was on our team, one thing that would frustrate me is he needs to be more aggressive. Uh, I don't think he takes enough shots. Uh, doesn't matter. He's got the size. He can knock it down from anywhere on the court. Uh, and it's going to be a tough matchup for the Racers. I don't know if we're going to see Rob Perry on him. We're going to see Kenny White on him. Uh, but you're not going to be able. You're not going to be able to let him get loose. Actually, one team, Logan, that may not be as good uh, in the post. They, they got a guy, Darnell Brody, uh, 6'10", 275. He's a big guy, but not as talented down low, but he's going to gobble up rebounds. They're so led from the guard position with, with DeVries and with Roman Penn, uh, those guys that can shoot it out, out deep. Uh, we don't have to worry too much about down low, but a lot of matchup problems for the racers. Uh, it's... Gonna, Logan going to be a tough one for the racers going up to uh, Des Moines on Saturday. Well, that's not really what I wanted to hear because uh, we haven't discussed this yet, but we're all going to be at a certain sports book, and I was hoping to bet the racers to win, but uh, you guys aren't giving me too much confidence. Go And honestly, looking at their stats, it doesn't give me very much confidence either just because of how good and you know, complete their team is, I mean, top to bottom statistically, um, average 10 more points a game than their opponents, and they haven't played a bad schedule. Uh, they shoot the ball really well, shoot 76% from the free throw line, 34% from three, and hold their opponents to under 30%. You know, rebound well. Um, and the thing that I really noticed, as always, is average over 13 assists per game and turn the ball over 11 times a game. So uh, just a, a great team. Everybody's kind of known them as the top dog going into the season. And like you guys said, they're 2-2. Two and two, But um, don't be surprised at, at Arch Madness if, if they're the number one seed or if, uh, if they take home the title. It's, it's just a really good team. And, you know, part of moving up conferences is you're going to play guys like this. But – you know, hopefully we can uh, carry forward Wednesday what we started on Sunday and, and allow that to go to to Saturday as well. You said you guys, or Logan, you specifically said that you were not super confident in this game. But let me paint the picture for, picture for you and give you some reasons why I think in the right scenario, it could be a really fun Saturday night. So, Bracers, going on the road for the third time in conference play, what are we? We're 2-0 and on the road so far. So, we're battle-tested. We've won two tough Games on the road, hey, we got that going for us. Looking back at, at what Drake has done in the past, over the past month, racer basketball hasn't been great. Well, you could argue that the same could be said about Drake. Um, you go back to their loss um, on the on the road against Indiana State. They dropped a heartbreaker there. They've played some cupcakes, UIC. They've got players leaving You know, this week. Uh, their team is in shambles. They are the worst team in the league. Um, they beat a bad Omaha team. They go to Richmond and get beat by 30, um, which, you know, it's a tough place to play. They're cr- traveling across the country, but still they got dog walked. And they turn around and get beat by St. Louis on their way home. Picked up a pretty big win against Mississippi State. Not going to discount that. 
um, beat uh, Division Three team. And then they had to squeak out a game against Valparaiso at home, um, a game where Valparaiso had the lead at the half. And then uh, come January, you know, they got beat by Missouri State um, on Sunday on Sunday afternoon. I'm going to go out on a limb and call it right here. The Salukis of Southern Illinois are going to win this game against Drake on Wednesday night. Um, so what does that lead into? Well, quite a tough stretch um, for the Bulldogs when the racers come rolling into town. And if the racers could take care of business against Bradley on Wednesday, we're going to have a head full of confidence uh, facing off against a Bulldogs team that is in the dump. Um, so if if the stars align and that's the way it works out, don't be surprised if there's a chance that this racers could pull some magic um, on their first trip up to Iowa. Sawyer, you are you're you're swinging my money back the other way because that. That was pretty darn convincing. Uh, I think I will withhold judgment to see what happens on Wednesday night. Uh, because for me, watching them play SIU, which we're not going to be able to watch because it's at the exact same time as, as the Murray State game, but seeing the result of how they do against SIU and then how we do against Bradley, you know, if we were able to string together what happened in Evansville, if we can do it again Wednesday night, that will give me a lot more confidence going up to to Des Moines. But um, you're you're exactly right. Is 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 positive as I talked about them. I still saw them get beat by St. Louis, and St. Louis was able to pour it in from three, able to get a lot of open shots. And you know, I've I bet against Drake once this year. St. Louis was able to cover for me uh, five and a half. Uh, so hey, maybe maybe I just keep it rolling down at a down at Tunica on Saturday. I think this is lining up for a a gambling idea, and I'm not going to share it on the pod. Our listeners are going to have to reach out if if they want the tip, but I'm not promising this to be a winner. Probably won't, but I'm calling it the racer parlay. So if you're interested, reach out, and we can all ride together. I am extremely intrigued, and I'm so thankful I don't have to even reach out. I can just be a part, so that's going to be even more exciting. Um, so I can't wait to see that, but, you know, back to my point for my, for the pick on, on Wednesday night, you know, this has got to be the biggest home game since the biggest highlight of the SIU, uh, basketball program over the past, you know, 15 years, you know, previously, did y'all hear that? Dude, that was extremely loud. We got to keep that in. That's cool. Keep it rolling. Saul. I wish I would have done that when I was making my points earlier, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> the biggest moment in SIU basketball history um, for the past, you know, what, 15 years? The only time that I would compare that to is when Jaw stayed for two hours after the game and was signing dollar bills for all their fans. Um, so had to throw that out there, but I do think that there's a great, great chance. I mean, think about SIU, you know, coming in, picking up a win against their so-called or they think is a rival against us um, last week. They took care of business this weekend, and now they got a chance to knock off what is – you know, the preseason top team in the conference, yeah, they're going to be stoked for it. They had 7,000 out on Sunday versus uh, Belmont. They'll probably have the place full um, this week for Drake. So uh, a lot of things could work out for the racers. And, and, and what if, you know, what if, what, if, what, if, what if the thunder booms and, and we win on Wednesday and then we turn around and win on Saturday? You know, the trajectory of this season can really take off. So 2023 could be looking really good. Well, and to your point, Sawyer, your what if, say, say we do win Wednesday, build that momentum at Drake on Saturday would be probably the best win of the year for us. 
turn right around on Tuesday and at Northern Iowa, which I mean, they're not bad, but Northern Iowa struggled mightily this year. Uh, not really the year they're looking at. Very next Saturday, got UIC at home. That's a win with campaign being back in the building. And maybe I shouldn't share this, but uh, I got a little tip from our guy, uh, Nico, when I talked to him over the weekend that uh, potentially Cam could have some guests with him uh, come next Saturday. So that's not confirmed yet. So take that as what you will if you're thinking about going out to the um, UIC game in a couple Saturdays. And then go to Belmont, which Belmont's not the greatest team that they've ever seen in Nashville um, over the last few years. So, I, I mean, we can what if this to death. Uh, that's what I do a lot of days. But if the Racers can get a couple wins this week against Bradley and Drake, uh, guys, we could be really rolling in the Missouri Valley Conference and and get ahead of ourselves. And just thinking back three days ago, we were very down and all it took was one game at Evansville. And now we're like, we're going to be 10 and one in the Missouri Valley conference and enrolling. But Hey, that's what we're on this podcast for. Evansville has been very good to the racers and to the racer nation podcast. So it was only fitting that uh, they could really be the jump start for something that could really take off. Yeah. Um, I think that's just my concern is that one game against Evansville uh, we're outside of the, first 10 minutes we really played neck and neck with them um i i'm very scarred still from the uh middle tennessee state game i thought that was a game that we should have won um and you know i texted you guys we were six and a half point favorite or underdogs and i asked why the line was so wide because they hadn't played anyone good um that their non-conference schedule was you know way worse than even the LSU racers. And they, so I just thought we could go in there and at least give them a, a really close game. And, you know, like last year, my, I think I lost a couple years after the UT Martin game at UT Martin, still scarred from that. Um, I think I'm going to remember this one for a long time. It was just a, a bad performance that I can't get over just yet. Um, but one thing I will say, one silver lining is that, uh, this racers team definitely did not peak in December. Um, so I think, uh, if we're, if we're looking at the bright side, we, we've got better days ahead. It might be raining outside, but it's sunshiny. Um, a lot of the time with the racer nation podcast. So new year, maybe new racers. Um, let's just hope that's the way it works out. Guys. And, and speaking of the sun shining, Sawyer. The Racer Nation podcast has a ginormous trip lined up for this weekend, and it's it's going to be such a special time. We feel like we've got to share it with everybody. Uh, Sawyer, this has really been your baby, what you've put together for us. So tell us about our first annual – no, not really our first annual because we've made many trips before, but our, our first non-Murray State basketball-related trip as a group. Oh, I – I guess it is kind of Murray State basketball related. I'm, it is. It is related. It's, it's it's very. So, you know what? I'm going to quit talking. Sorry. Just tell everybody what we've got going on this weekend. Oh, it's nothing crazy. Um, I've just uh, been blessed to have uh, some, some, some pretty good Grizzlies tickets uh, since Ja 
got drafted by the Grizzlies, thought it was a good opportunity to go ahead and snag some of those. And I'm excited to be able to, to bring you guys along um, along with, with Dan, uh, Logan's dad, uh, making the trip down to Memphis for uh, the Grizzlies game to get them uh, square off against the Utah Jazz. So that'll be pretty fun getting to sit uh, right behind the, the Jazz bench and, and give them a handful. Sadly, uh, my wife and I were there the a few days after Christmas to watch the Suns beat the Grizzlies. Honestly, we just sat there and watched campaign dance the whole time. So um, flashbacks to his time as a racer. Um, but uh, that, that was good. Got to talk to Team Morant for a minute um, and, and was fun. So I'm excited to get to, to experience that with you guys. Um, whole weekend, you know, will be a big blast. And um, you guys do so much for this podcast. Also, you spend hours, you know, editing Every single week, putting this thing together. Logan, you're the big idea guy. You know, we come in every week rather unprepared, and you make it so easy for us. So the least I could do to to kind of uh, give you guys a gift um, for for everything that you've done to make this podcast so much fun. So it'll it'll be more fun for me than it will be probably for you guys just to, to get away for a minute and and to do a little racers trip. You know, now with the OVC road trips, uh, they used to be so easy. Now these MVC road trips are hard. So it makes it a little harder for us to do that. So going down to Memphis will be fun. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, some, some very, very connected alumni, you know, we got to check on our guy, John, John Morant while we're down there, make sure he's still doing well. So that'll be a part of the trip. Um, so it'll be a blast. I'm excited for it. I have yet to be bit. I've yet to go to a Grizzlies game since Jaws been on, uh, been on the team, which is a pretty unfortunate, you know, lived in Texas for a few years. And then now that I've gotten back closer, I'm really excited for this opportunity to to see the Grizz, see Jaw, and watch them on TV all the time. But I'm actually going down to Memphis for a game. Uh, it's been years since I've been to Memphis. Uh, you know, you guys know me. My typical Memphis trip is going to consist of the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid. Uh, that's that's typically typically what I do when I go to Memphis. So I'm excited to see the other side of downtown with the FedEx Forum and and Beale Street and and all that fun stuff. So. Uh, you know, Sawyer, you're a seasoned veteran now with, uh, what, third, fourth year with the tickets. So can't wait for you to take me and, and show me all the good spots on Beale and, uh, you know, the locker room access and everything that you get, uh, you know. All right. Wasn't that part of it? We're going to talk about that after the podcast. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm excited about that for for Sunday. Logan, you've got us uh, quite a trip planned up for, for Saturday. So we kind of mentioned it already on the podcast, but uh, – uh, you know, we're going down to one of your one of your honey holes. That's right. It's uh, pretty embarrassing what I've become known for on this podcast. But Sawyer's the plug for Memphis Grizzlies tickets, and I am the uh, travel agent for if you want to go to a sports book or casino in Mississippi. Uh, so Saturday, we're actually heading down. It's my dad's birthday, so we're taking the pod father, uh, Dan Foster, down with us and. Uh, we're going to do a little, uh, sports booking and, and watching a lot of sports, um, uh, just having a good time together. It's just some guy time and go down, watch some NFL football, watch some college basketball, uh, and may place a few bets definitely on the racers. Um, that's one part of the racer parlay, but, uh, then going up Sunday to, to watch the Grizzlies play could be more excited. Um, we kind of joked around about it in our text messages, um, trying to see if I can get my dad to make a sign and cause Sawyer sits really close. I don't know if we could get Josh to sign some shoes for him, but 
Um, you know, we saw that video go viral this week of him signing shoes for that little boy. I, I watched it on Lindy Suter's Facebook page, and if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, just a really, really cool video from, from John. You know, took it, the video was literally a minute long, and it's going to, you know, make the kid's life something he's going to remember forever. So really cool that he did that. And uh, I just think it'd be funny if we could, you know, put crown to a poster board and make it look like a five-year-old wrote Dan Foster's job. Please give me your shoes sign. (laughs) Anyways, regardless of what happens, we're going to have a blast and really looking forward to it. Uh, Now, Logan, you, you've left out a big part of the story here. You know, you said you were embarrassed, but you've got, you know, you become known for on this podcast, but I think, you know, what you can tell the folks gives you legitimacy when when they're listening to you about your bets and, and what you should do if you should fade a team, if you should bet a team. What happened when you called that resort to book us a room? Um, oh, boy. I did get a special rate for uh, that only certain rewards members get. So that it worked out better for us. It's going to give us a little more a little bit more. Uh, play money but also kind of hurts the soul a little bit to know that i'm a a, you know a highly thought of rewards member at the uh, gold strike casino in tunica oh i I, that cracked me up so i had to mention that but like we said just gives you that legitimacy and that's why everybody on the podcast and we can all listen to your advice when it comes to uh you know all things around around sports betting so that's going to be awesome Really, really looking forward to that. Um, like I said, hadn't been down to Memphis in a while. I've never been to Tunica, so you can find me at the blackjack tables on Saturday. That's where that's where I will be. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get the big win against Bradley, get the home winning streak back rolling, head up to Des Moines, Iowa for the big win against Drake. And you know what? The racers are undefeated in 2023, so let's keep that rolling. And the racer women's undefeated in 2023 i did want to mention that before we left got to watch them on friday night and that that was a lot of fun actually got their first conference win a missouri valley conference win and and the women are rolling caitlin young really really good hannah mckay really really good all of the all of the ladies are 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 putting it together so really happy for rochelle uh right now as as they are two and oh the missouri valley and yeah, honestly guys they they could win the whole dang thing this year so That would be really, really fun. Well, folks, thank you all so much for coming back. That wraps up episode 40 for the Racer Nation podcast. We've made it this far. Can't wait for the next 40. Hopefully a lot lot of positive stuff to talk about rolling into 2023. And then this time next year, we can reflect back on our favorite moments of 2023 because we know the racers are going to make us some memorable memorable moments uh, as we roll through our first Missouri Valley Conference season. As always, if you had fun listening, tell your friends, share us. The growth of it has been amazing. Uh, let's just double double it again in 2023 and uh, keep rolling with this thing and, and having fun uh, talking about racer basketball. So, guys, with that, Sawyer, send us off. Go racers. Go racers. Go racers. Murray State, stand up. Hoop squad, stand up. Anyone who's in the CFSB, stand up. It's time to take these questions that have been asked to get them answered. Who's gonna win the MVC?